Joey from Jungle Brothers Strength and Movement in Sydney is the guest on the podcast this week. Joey came up to Newcastle for the weekend, got in Saturday night. We had a rascal burger, did the podcast Sunday morning, trained. We jumped in the ocean. It was cool to spend some time and get to hang out. You know, Joey and I have completely different upbringings. We found out this weekend that when I was young, I was watching Lion King and Joey was already watching Van Damme movies. So pretty much from there, I think things diverged, you know, and it's really cool when we catch up because we connected at about, you know, 33 years old, a couple of years ago through owning a business, you know, through owning our own businesses, gyms, and through this domain of strength and movement and training and all that good stuff as well. Joey came on one of my movement and meditation retreats. It was really cool to spend some time with him and get to know him. And then he invited me up to Jungle Brothers uh, a couple of years ago or a year ago or so to deliver my first breath workshop, which was really powerful because I kind of left it up to him and I turned up and there were almost 40 people there. And it was a big boost to kind of that self-belief because I recognized that, hey, people are interested in this stuff. And so that was really, really great. And I'm always grateful for that experience and grateful for his effort as well so this is a cool one because we talk about jungle brothers which is of course home to australia's coolest gym and sydney's premier strength and movement gym as well we learn about the culture you know i'm huge on culture especially in small business to be honest it's pretty much everything i mean we've got innovation sales and marketing but culture really dictates so much and jungle brothers is a place like no other you know it doesn't matter what kind of your business you're in when you walk into their gym uh, you can feel it and you can feel the culture at the top level amongst the really cool coaches and then also down through uh, the entire the entire space you know the tribe the people working out there the you know the garden that's out the front so we dig deep into that and how that was created and also how it's maintained. So if you're running a team or a business, take note and kind of look, hold the mirror up and look back at what steps you have in place for your team and how you're invigorating your own culture because there's some cool takeaways. We also talk about Joey Side Hustle, which is a super niche business called Bulletproof for BJJ. And I've got a really cool resource coming out might even be out when this goes on a framework, the super niche framework for looking at super niche businesses, looking at creating these kinds of super niched out businesses for a specific type of person based on your passion. So it's really good timing. And we find out about how he created Bulletproof for BJJ. Uh, of course, he took me through a session of it on, or a little bit of it on Sunday. And I just messaged him earlier. I'm going to jump onto couple of months three months or so of the bulletproof of bjj program i don't do any bjj but i'm gonna jump on to see how it goes and get some gains and get some strength work mobility work in there so really excited enjoy this one and if you got any questions on this or any other episode hit me up at john at johntmarsh.com and i'll see to them on one of the future episodes this is john marsh and you're listening to the access potential podcast
Joey, Mr. Joe Worthington here, up from Jungle Brothers, up from Sydney. And super pumped, Joe. We're going to do a good podcast, and there's a lot of good stuff I want to get stuck into with you. How you doing? Doing good, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Hanging out with you in Newcastle and, uh, and doing the show. So Joey came up last night, got in around six. We hit up Rascal Burger. If anyone listened to the last podcast with uh, Jacob Hodson, I know that's a favorite. That's where the idea <laughs> came from. Um, and then today we're going to record this, jump into some training. Joey's going to take me through some of the Bulletproof stuff, I think, and we'll talk about that, which is a really cool project he's got going on. Uh, and then there's a UFC fight later on. Yes. Johnny's going to lose his UFC virginity. That's right. Does that sound fucked up? No, it's okay. <laughs> so this could kind of go a few different ways. There's a lot of cool stuff I want to talk to you about. So I think what we'll have is a little bit more open, open style, a little bit more freestyle than some of the other episodes. What I want to kick off on, though, is um, I'm interested, you know, when I first stumbled across Jungle Brothers, because we met, uh, similar to some of the other guests, we met through the mastermind, business mastermind, Alchemy, that we were both in. And what I noticed massively uh, when I first was introduced to the JB's culture was literally the culture, was what you guys were doing that was different. And I remember you had a, there was a byline somewhere, or maybe it was something you put out, a bit of copy, something like that, and it was something to do with forge your own path. Was those the words? Carve your own path. Carve your own path. I was like, okay, like it was early when we had the gym, it was early on in our business in Melbourne. And I remember thinking, okay, these, these guys have something to teach here, this, this group, this gym. There's something to learn and there's something to do with culture and something to do with positioning and standing alone and, and um, choosing where you want to go. So what I'm interested in, I've started off some of the other ones with a bit of a backstory and people's upbringings, that sort of thing. Maybe skip straight to it for you. Like, what do you think... Um, that's about like how did that start off how did this whole carve your own path come about because you had another job before this yeah uh yeah so <clears throat> all three of us myself paul and tiora we all came from the film industry originally so we were working as uh gaffers and best boys in in the film industry for 10 years which was great and it taught us a lot of things but we made this switch to go and open a gym which was pretty radical it's radical now that I look back at it because I, 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 was, I was doing training and I was into a bunch of things, but I'd never thought that I'd be a gym owner. Um, but I guess if, we, if, I, if I talk specifically about that cultural thing, the, one of the things that we said from the beginning of our business before we even had a gym was that we wanted to train people in the same way that we like to train. So from the very beginning, the value was placed on teaching them what it is that we value for our own development. Um, so that meant that honesty was always going to be present. Um, giving people harsh truths, you know, was also going to be present, but also not, um, not, not hiding anything from them and, and, and acknowledging that this path or this evolution would always be, well, it would always be evolving or it would always be changing shape. Because as, like, as you know, the, if you look back at your training history, it's, it's always been continually evolving, yeah. right? Like you're not just doing F45 all the time. Yeah. You're not just doing yoga all the time. You, you know, you're doing different things. You're researching. So that was a big part of it. 
The, the culture piece, I have to say, it came about, I suppose it came about organically. We didn't plan it to be that way, but tied in with this idea of teaching people what it was that we were doing in our own training, it also came back to like, what music do we like? Why well, I, I fucking love hip hop and I love electronic music. So that's what we're playing in classes. What else do I like? Well, I like to have a few drinks every now and again. Like I don't mind partying a few times a year. Okay, so the Christmas party's got to be fucking awesome. Like we've got to throw down and party with everyone. Um, what else is important? Well, we like to socialize, like we're big talkers. All right, so the social aspect has to be present. So we kind of found that without planning it, all of these things that we valued in our own characters or in our own lives became part of the gym. And in that way, it was very easy. Uh, but we, we just had to be honest about it, mm. you know, so we never, we never set that example of like, oh, I don't eat, I don't eat chips or I don't eat burgers. Right. And I know, and I've been told by other personal trainers and other coaches in the past, you have to be like the perfect example for your clients. You, they can't see you drinking a soft drink or whatever. We're like, fuck that. Like conventional fitness is super boring. Um, one of the acknowledgements that we made was that we don't like gym culture we don't like personal trainer culture. We think that a lot of it's full of shit and a lot of it's fake. Mm. So we're going to present something that completely cuts across the grain of that. And that's where this idea of carving our own path came from. It's like we're slashing through a jungle full of bullshit mm. to, to give people a path of true expression. Um, and yeah, so then at a point we looked back and thought, well, what have we actually created here? It was after a, f- a couple of years of owning the gyms. Like, fuck, what are we doing? Wow, we've, we've created all of these aspects of our, of our brand or of our product that were unintentional, but are now integral to the offering itself. And so I think what you were saying you, you saw was probably our members' creed, which was when we sat down and thought, okay, well, what have we actually laid out for these guys? And what, are, what is it that we really value? And we were able to sort of itemize it into a, a chart. Yeah, so it's like, you know, often kind of I talk about positioning or it's like basically understanding your super niche can be one way, understanding the person you're going to work for, the the person who you're creating the product for. And what you did, it sounds like, is you found basically what you were super passionate about, you three, came together and like kind of listed that stuff all out, created it and therefore created the space for people like you to, to attract people who are into that stuff as well. And um, it's interesting because it's not super easy for people to do that normally because basically when you think about it, say you get into the gym culture, right? You guys started working out. It's often pretty easy to get caught up in whatever that is that you step into. Maybe you started going to F45. Oh, I need to open up a space like this. Yeah. And you get indoctrinated super quick, you know, whether it's diet or whatever it might be at the time. So what do you think was the kernel for you guys to be standing alone to make the call that, yeah, we like working out, but we're not actually fully into this kind of culture, even though this is where we're hanging out and spending some time, maybe going to a gym or training or whatever. And everyone around us is doing this certain thing. What you did is then zag the other way, right? It's like you, you, you were in the culture, but you also weren't. And you're also staying true to who you were. Talk about like maybe a bit about your upbringing or, um, you know, what you guys were doing there to 
create that uh, your voice, you know, that didn't that didn't waver because a lot of people starting businesses, it's like the first thing they'll do is look around, look at competition, and start to emulate because it feels good to do what's seemingly working well. Yes, but it's the biggest trap because then all of a sudden you turn around, it feels safe, and then ten thousand other people are doing the same thing. Yes, and nobody comes. How like go into the mindset a little bit from your perspective if you can. How did you guys stand alone? Like it was there from the start. The earliest version of JB's was different. You've got a byline like Australia's coolest gym, something like that. <laughs> like self-proclaimed. Yeah, self-proclaimed, <laughs> but that's what it's about, right? At the start it was different. And I'm interested to kind of go, how? When you look back at your minds collectively. Why didn't you waver? Why didn't you go cert three, cert four, or, you know, the qualifications in the fitness industry, open the same thing as everyone else or go do the same thing as everyone else? <clears throat> Good question. Remarkability, right? It's the kernel of remarkability. I think that's a huge part of what you guys have. You know, it's uniqueness. It's different. Yes. Um, okay. Well, I guess like there's a few, there's a few, a few points to, to touch on regarding like to, to respond to that. The first, the first thing that's really important to mention is that I, I believe the combination of our three minds is super important. And this essentially happened by chance. But the, the, I, I see two kind of distinct roles in the three of us. Tiora, is, it was his idea to open a gym first and foremost. He came to me with, uh, when we were in the film industry, he came to me with this business plan that he'd drawn up to open this gym that he'd dreamed up um, while he'd been in London for a few years working as a personal trainer. And he had a martial arts background just like me and we'd been doing, you know, a bunch of kettlebell work and strength training back in Sydney and then he had this London adventure and he'd been working at these really cool gyms over there and he'd come up with this business plan. So once he showed that to me, I was super blown away and I was like, I'd love to go on this journey with you. And then shortly after that, it was like, hey, let's get Paul involved as well. And he was brought on as the third guy. Um, Tiora is a visionary. So he has, I don't know where the fuck he comes up with this shit, but he, he dreams, maybe he smokes a bit of weed and he has these visions and these huge grand ideas of things that he wants to do. And I don't have those visions. I'm like a sparkle in his eye. Eh? Yeah, you've seen it, right? Yeah. Um, you see it because if something's boring to him, you'll, you'll know very quickly that he's bored with what's happening. But if he's engaged by what we're talking about or this idea, then he's, he's all in. Yeah. Um, so he, he has this ability to dream things up and I don't have that ability. And, you know, not to speak on Paul's behalf, but he's not really in that, that space either. Paul and I are really good at doing what's in front of us and dealing with the day-to-day and being uh, systematic about things and actioning items. I would say, all due respect, T's kind of shit at that, right? So, so we have this complementary skill set. And if it weren't for his ability to dream and foresee something that does go against the grain and is something that's new, his, his ability to innovate, um, combined with our ability to action things and make stuff happen and take steps towards that big vision, then we wouldn't be where we are. So I think that's really important because I could never have come up with a lot of the things we do if it were just me by myself, right? Um, second to that, I suppose we had, 
we each had our own upbringings and we each come from, like we're all from Sydney, but we each had different sort of cultural backgrounds through our families, um, socioeconomic things, different amounts of siblings. Um, but I think a, a strong part of what makes us cool and going back to that word cool is that we were all, we all did some bad, like we all hung out with bad kids. We all fucked up plenty, you know, maybe got arrested, graffitiing some things, you know, went through a stage where we partied too much or did some drugs or, you know, whatever. Like we just had this sort of, uh, this, this teenage upbringing where we were a little bit restless mm. and, um, you know, fucking around a little bit. I view those times in my, like in my development, and I know the boys would agree with this, as being really pivotal to where we are now mm. because they enabled us to understand, I guess, the culture of the culture of the people, a culture that we appreciate. Uh, again, I go back to this word of like the fitness culture. I think that the, the, the standard fitness culture is really kind of boring mm. and it's a bit poindexter-ish. Yeah. And there's no like... Said that before. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's like the, the nylon or like the polyester shirts yeah. and, the, you know, the super like clean haircuts yeah. and like clean shaven all the time. And There's a new haircut, clean haircut? Yeah, mine's pretty clean at the moment, right? But, but I get away with it now, you know? But, um, but you know, this, this idea of like clean cut and perfect and all my meals are fucking planned out and, and, and we, we always rebelled against that. The other thing was through our journeys with training was that we, we belonged to these, these niche groups or these minority groups. So I spent a long time hanging out with the calisthenics guys down at Bondi Beach when I lived in Bondi. Before it was a thing. Yeah, it was, it was kind of budding, right? Yeah. And there'd just be like 20 of us hanging out doing max pull-ups for two hours and people doing muscle-ups and shit. But, you know, it was... At that time, I was like, man, this is so cool. Like this calisthenics thing is where it's at. And then I delved into the kettlebell world and I got a couple of kettlebells online. And my, my brother and sister bought them for me for Christmas. And I started watching um, guys like uh, Steve Cotter and Pavel and downloading books and that kind of thing. And, and then I went into CrossFit and I was fucking around with that. And the whole time, jiu-jitsu was going on for me in the background. Like I was, I was training in jiu-jitsu. And what I noticed, and this is exactly what T and Paul noticed, was that you had to go to a different place to train in that discipline every time. So if you wanted to train jiu-jitsu, you had to go to the jiu-jitsu academy. If you wanted to do CrossFit, you had to go to the CrossFit academy, now, you know, vice versa. When you go to the CrossFit academy, everyone's culturally into CrossFit. Everyone has the CrossFit haircut, they're wearing the shoes, the knee sleeves. It's all about snatching and burpees. When you go to jiu-jitsu, everyone's wearing the jiu-jitsu brands. They're doing the jiu-jitsu things. They're talking about um, you know, what the latest instructional video was, etc. There was no kind of cross-pollination of these groups. And so we sort of, we, we recognized that, hey, we want to be involved in all of these things. And culturally, there's an appeal in all of these little communities. But why do they all have to be segmented? Why can't it be, because it's not for us. Like I visit all these places and I can integrate into each of these communities equally. It's not like I turn up to jujitsu and I'm ostracized because I crossfitted yesterday. Um, so... We wanted to build a place that would be open to these different disciplines, but, but more broadly, these different cultures. Mm. And I guess that that's helped us to become something that is unique and, and carving our own path. Well, and the cool thing is, you know, it comes to mind that I want to talk about Bulletproof for BJJ later, which is kind of like a super niche business. 
or that you've got going, but this concept of kind of coming together of different disciplines that you created the business with, um, uh, with JBs, right? Like different stuff, different aspects of training that you brought under one roof, which sounds kind of opposite to the bulletproof one where you, you know, doing strength and mobility work for BJJ players, right? So it's more niched out. Yeah. But the interesting thing is I think it's sounding like what you created at um, Jungle Brothers was, yeah, it was different disciplines and broad kinds of training, but it was a specific, you were attracting a specific type of psychographic, a specific type of person who wanted to train in your culture and be in your culture that was super open, that was social, that wanted, you know, upfront feedback and wanted to hear it how it was, wasn't into the Poindexter fitness industry. So it's kind of like we're seeing like this cool thing where the training is super diverse, but when you walk into JBs, there's a certain vibe, there's a certain, um, there's not a certain person, but it's a certain culture, right? Like you created something specific even though the, the what was diverse, you know, the thing that tied everyone together, uh, this way of being, you know, the, the, the tribe. Yes. Which is super cool. Well, that kind of, it has to become its own culture in a way, right? Mm. And it finds whatever, its own things that it likes. Yeah. The brands, the music, the clothes, yeah. you know, not, not that we're like, we don't sell merchandise in that kind of way, but it, it's like, yeah, it ends up becoming its own thing. Yeah. Which, you know, well, yeah. I, I notice that less because I'm in there, right? Yeah. But you would, you, when you pointed out it, it makes sense. Oh, for uh, sure. From an outsider's perspective. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's interesting. There's a guy, um, his name's Tom Peters. He writes a great book. It's called The Pursuit of Wow. And basically he was in, he was back in the 80s, he was in consulting. He worked for McKinsey or something like that. And his pitch was, he was kind of the first guy, one of the first guys to say, it's not strategy, it's culture. Like you need to go into your organization, your company, whatever it is, and figure out the culture because when you've got great people around you, you can do great things. There's inspiration, there's motivation, there's innovation, people wanna do shit, right? And what you were kind of saying there is like, and, and he's also big on um, diversity, right? Go and do things, go take six months off and go overseas, go, Drop what you're doing and go learn to dance. Go learn to surf. Go do some shit. Get arrested, like you know what you're talking about. It's like, and it's interesting because what you were saying sounds like the same thing, right? It's like you're valuing all that diversity you had. How are you guys maintaining that to continue to innovate, come up with ideas? Like, are you still all doing your own thing as well on the side to keep that richness in there? It's a good question. Our training journey, our training journey continues to evolve. So I suppose the the offering to our members or within our brand also has to continue to evolve. Uh, so you know, so we have our template of fight, lift, move as the three areas we we focus our training around. But they're pretty broad, right? Mm. They can kind of take whatever form we like. Lift could be barbell work it could be lifting heavy stones it could be pure strongman stuff it could be you know picking up other people it's sort of just this idea of shifting something that's external to you um so in that way uh yeah we do continue to evolve we do continue to evolve our product um but in terms of like the cultural piece 
I suppose if we if we always if we if we keep that that value of only teaching people what it is that we want to do, like to attract people that want to do what we want to do, then it will always be it will always be changing. Mm. Like it, there will always be a, a it will always be truthful, right? It'll always be honest, but it will also always be evolving mm. because like nothing is nothing in my life stays the same, you know, essentially. Yeah. Does that, does that kind of answer the question? Yeah, I think so. You know, you talked about graffiti, you talked about traveling, spray painting, these different cultures that you were exposed to when you were younger, how they were pivotal and being able to think differently. And like, you know, I guess the, the question is like, how do you keep that going? You know, you're 34, 35, that um, zest for life, right? You know, you came up with the Bulletproof business, which is something new we'll talk about. But like that newness, right? I know um, I know. there's some, like you guys pull out the gardens. There's like all sorts of cool stuff always happening. Do you search for ideas? Like, you know, how that business evolution, that innovation is still seemingly going on. Is that just stemming from what you were exposed to when you were young? Were you still looking for inspiration? You're still hanging out with different people and still doing different stuff? Uh, good point. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah, I think in, well, I think yeah, we have to acknowledge that at some point we probably settle in a little bit as we age mm. and maybe there's less exposure to new things. Yeah. Like I don't break into cars anymore, right? So like, so, so that sort of thing is like, okay, well, there's, there's some unique experiences that you've had growing up, which will always be, uh, that'll always be. But yeah, let's say like I'm in my 30s now, I'm approaching my late 30s, I'm probably going to start to settle down a little bit and, and, and things will be maybe less dynamic. Um, however, only in, only in certain aspects, and the garden's a great example of that. A couple of years ago, Tiora just went super deep into this permaculture idea. And he's like, that's my thing now. And so he built this amazing permaculture garden at his home. Um, and then he decided he wanted to do it at the gym. And so that became this project. We now have this incredible permaculture garden that produces fruits and vegetables that our members have created. And, and they, they were responsible for building the whole thing. Um, and they can, they can take food from it as they wish, right? Like it, it nourishes the people. Um, but he's now taken that a step further and he's decided he wants to have a more active role in, in uh, climate change and in, in informing people about it and in doing, in trying to promote change, yeah. you know, right? Like at the higher levels of government and stuff. So he's now taken action. He's formed a little group within the gym and they meet regularly and they discuss what they can do and they get involved in, we're having a movie screening at the gym in a couple of weeks that's going to show a documentary. And so I think as long as we're curious, as long as we're interested in things. That's it. Yeah. In the same way that my bulletproof thing is, it's like I've gotten back into jujitsu in a big way for my own training in the last year. Yeah. And so this bulletproof for BJJ idea was born and now I'm really passionate about that and I want to build a product around it and start to help jiu-jitsu athletes. And now we're building a jiu-jitsu gym in our gym. Like, we're, yeah. you know, so there's, there, is this, there is still this innovation that occurs. Um, but secondary to that is we now have coaches and we 
handpick coaches who will bring their own uniqueness mm. to the brand. Mm. And those coaches will be, we will teach them or we do teach them what it is that the Jungle Brothers values and what it is that we think are important. But within that, they have the ability to, you know, bring their own kind of spice to add to the flavor of the whole Jungle Brothers brand. Mm. And so I, I imagine that in time, we will perhaps take more of a backseat, but there will be this, this new generation of individuals who are living, you know, parallel kind of existences to us who have that same zest, who want to add, who want to leave their own mark on something mm. and will continue to evolve the brand. Yeah, so the, the two things that stand out, stand out, one is that word curiosity from you guys as the founders, which is kind of a really cool, like youthful quality. Like it's a real nice, curiosity I think is a real nice uh, attribute to be around and to be involved in business-wise as well. But then also that open channel to allow your people who come in, your staff or coaches, to throw stuff at the wall as well. You know, it's like that, yeah. that's a massive thing because that's hard for a lot of people. It's like, well, I'm giving up control. You know, what if it doesn't work? All these things. But you're, you're looking at completely the other way, kind of like the possibility way, knowing that it worked so well for you guys. So what can, you know, what can the coaches bring in? What newness can people bring? Yeah, because I mean, fuck, if we've got to be the leaders of this organization forever, you're going to get tired, right? Like it's, it, it, it's kind of, if you, it's, I, I liken it to almost trying to rule with an iron fist mm. and like, no, this is what we do and it doesn't change. Yeah. I mean, that is counter to our, to our values, which are, it's, it's ever evolving. Yeah. So by nature of that, so like, well, we got coaches out there who are, who are doing the Edo Portal journey or they're doing the, um, they're going down the, the mobility rabbit hole and getting into the real sort of spiritual side of flexibility and stuff. And so, well, I'm not doing that. And why would I turn my back on this wealth of information? Mm. Why not allow them to contribute to this, to this collective? And it's not like we take everything on board, yeah. but we can, we can pick and choose and then, okay, cool. Let's, let's go with that. Yeah. That's awesome. It's, yeah, it's really cool, man. It's like, um, what if we pick up that siren? It's like, uh, Main Streets of Newcastle. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's your mates. <laughs> yeah, they've come to see us. Yeah. Um, okay, let's go to, let's talk about, um, let's talk about, well, I was just going to say, so it sounds like the coolest thing for you really is like the, the garden was tea. You know, you guys came up with the idea for the um, the loft that's going to be the BJJ setup. Yeah, it's like the next idea might come from someone who's just started out as a coach that actually transforms the whole space as well. Yes, that's what you're saying. It's like you're open to the things coming from anywhere, and it's like open source brain power from all of these awesome coaches. Yes, yeah, so open to it. Yeah, we have a coaches development meeting every week, yeah. and it's like guys. Everyone's there. Everyone's there. I mean, you know, there's, yeah. there's nine of us. So occasionally, you know, we're a person or two down. But um, the coaches want to be a part of that. They like to come and give their time to it because it's a platform for them to, one, offer up like any lessons learned or any wins that they've had. Yeah. Um, but also to give feedback to each other. So that might be like, hey, I've got a cool idea I want to talk to you guys about. Or here's a, here's a little side business I'm creating and I'm going to present it to you guys. Or, hey, I... 
John, I think you did a shit job last week and I want to tell you what, what I think you could have done better. Yeah. But it's really, um, yeah, it's a real platform for those ideas to be shared yeah. and everyone's an equal in that meeting. Um, yeah, it's super cool. So just quickly before we move on then, what, you know, people may be listening, they've got a, they've got a couple of staff or a little business or whatever. Even a family, right? This isn't business specific. This is like you've got a tribe of people, a group of people, and you're looking to make things better. Yeah. Part of that process is feedback loops or idea generation, whatever it might be. But you've created a culture that has some stuff in place to really facilitate that. And the end product is this amazing culture that continues to grow and change. It's really attractive, right? So you mentioned the weekly meeting. What else do you do kind of as a leader to create other leaders, like to create that space, that platform? Is it just the weekly meeting? Like what else do you see as important that's created this like positive ratchet in the, in the tribe or in the group? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Um, well, part of it is knowing what it is that our coaches or our staff want for their own lives. So knowing where they want to take their own business. Because obviously they, you know, we're assuming they don't just set out to want to coach at Jungle Brothers two mornings a week. They, they have dreams to maybe open their own facility or build their own online program or, you know, retire at mid-30s and go and live on a yacht or whatever it is. But we, we make a point of knowing where they want to get to and then nurturing them in a way that's going to help them get to that point. Mm. So for the most part, it's around business and self-development. Mm. And so then it's like, okay, cool. Well, what are, you, what are you trying to create? How can we as business owners who have been doing it for, I don't know, six years, seven years, you know, we've shelled out a bunch of money for business coaching and, you know, the mastermind that, that you and I are a part of. How can we pass that stuff on to you guys? You know, we've, we've, we've wasted heaps of money on Facebook marketing and, and certain things, and we've also spent money well, but how can we then distill it down and then pass it on to you guys? Because the more they're successful, the more we're successful. Um, so I guess just having a dialogue around that and making a point to check in with them regularly is a really big part of, of that piece. Yeah, it's cool because it seems like it's this idea of knowing that everything's temporary. Someone's going to work here for a while. They're probably going to work somewhere else after or do their own thing. Uh, how can we make it so that JB's is a really cool place to have come from? You know, down in that point in the future when they're not there, it's like, where did you cut your teeth? Oh, at Jungle Brothers. Oh, cool. Like that's now it makes sense why you're so evolved, basically why you're so willing to grow or, put out ideas but the thing I want to touch on is I think that also transcends down to your down not down but to the whole culture right like you come in to train there as a client or a member it's like the same thing because that essence of what you've got going amongst the coaches at a cultural level feeds into everywhere like say someone trains with you for a year and then they move on they go to a gym maybe it's a global gym or something like that they're going to walk into that space a little bit differently because of the time they had at Jungle Brothers. Yes. You know? Yes. And actually, we're super proud of that. We get exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. We get that a lot. Like, people leave because they get relocated for work or they have to move, you know, overseas or something. And they will text us and say, man, like, 
I can't find it. There's nothing like you guys or, you know, or or I really miss or I really appreciate what you guys taught me there. You know, I look back on those times fondly. Mm. It always sucks to lose someone. But when you when you get that, you're like, fuck, that's cool. Well, and it's kind of paradoxical because it's like that openness, knowing that, hey, this person might leave. Our clients might leave eventually because they got to move away or whatever might happen. If we're okay with that and we don't rule the business with an iron fist and we have flexibility and we're willing to evolve and change and grow, then actually we create a culture that they want to be a part of for longer and the life cycle of the client goes up and it's more fun place to be around. So it's like that openness and allowing, understanding that, hey, everything might come to an end has actually created this really cool place that people want to stay around. And when they do go, they miss it, you know? Yes. Versus when it's like, don't go anywhere out. Like, you know, I, I remember when I had was in the gym business and it was like, we were down in Melbourne and there was another, um, like a CrossFit gym not far from us. And when we opened, we were doing stuff a little bit differently. And this other gym put a rule on all the coaches instantly. Like you're not allowed to go into another gym within a 5K radius. Holy shit. Yeah, so they all of a sudden, none of those coaches could come and train with us or hang out, come to open days, anything like this. <laughs> yeah. And it was, you know, in that mindset, it makes sense. It's like, well, let's put a wall up because it will protect us. Yes. And you guys are going, no, no, no. Let's break all the walls down and it will protect us because it's actually creating the environment that's open. And that's the one people want to be at. Yes, man, totally. I mean, I couldn't think of, I mean, don't get me wrong. I've had the tendencies, right? Yeah. That any business owner has with, with those kind that kind of idea, like, fuck, there's another gym that's opened up around the corner. This isn't good. You know, what are we going to do? We're, all our members, you know, we're going to lose members to them. And then you're like, no, 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 hang on. Turn the, the monkey brain off. Let me think about this rationally. We're doing the best we can here. We're giving all of our love to the people we have an amazing product. If they choose to go there, it probably means that that product's better suited to them anyway. And so that's great. That's a great outcome for the individual. And it's, it's never a problem, right? Um, but I couldn't imagine the, the anxiety that would come along with trying to rule in that way. Mm. Because you kind of, it's like you're trying to, I don't know, you're, you're trying to defend this sort of sandcastle thing. It just, yeah. you know, and we know people in the fitness industry who take this approach, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, fuck that. It's Well, it's kind of cool because it transcends anything, right? Like you're in business, you got competition, and if you follow your path or the innovator's approach, it's like, cool, we've got competition, but, or and, good luck keeping up because we're, we're growing, right? Like everything's, you know, you, you don't have a garden and you got a garden. Like, you, you know, the whole thing's changing all the time. So it kind of like there's a safety in carving your own path. Yes. You know, it's really cool. Yeah. It's really, kind of, really cool. That's a, yeah, you're kind of creating an island. You create, yeah, you create, you could have competition open up. I, I had this conversation, we, we talked about Timon over at Bonobo. Yes. You know, there's like seven gyms or whatever down his little strip, seven other businesses or five or something within like, you can see them and he's doing play-based strength and movement and reteaching adults the joy of movement and it's like nothing like anything else. And it's like the more that opens up, it's like great because it's bringing awareness to doing something. And when they see what he's doing, it's completely different, you know? So it's, it's, it's kind of like a non-discussion. Yeah, they, you know? it's like a non-compete type yeah, thing, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Okay, I want to talk, um, talk about this thing that you're doing with Bulletproof 
for BJJ because uh, there's a there's a framework that I've got in the Access Potential Academy school, like the super niche framework. It's like really understanding who you're going to create something for. And it's based on empathy because you've got to know the people or at least understand the worldviews. And I see the Bulletproof of BJJ business that you're doing, and I'll get you to talk about it, as like this textbook amazing example of the super niche business. I think it's really cool because I actually think that there's a massive surge that's about to happen where people jump onto these things who see them because there's so much possibility out there to do this stuff. Talk us through it. What is Bulletproof for BJJ? How did it start? Just give us a bit of a background on it. Okay. Um, so Bulletproof for BJJ is a, 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 a brand or a product that I've created with a good friend of mine from Melbourne, a guy called JT, James Tomlinson. Shout out, JT. I never uh, met JT when I was down there. Yeah, right. You guys never linked up. He's a, um, he's a force of nature. He truly is. Um, but the, I suppose in short, what it is, is it is a, a program that teaches jujitsu athletes or people who like, like jujitsu enthusiasts how to become stronger, more mobile, and be less prone to injuries. And we came, it came about because JT and I've both been in jujitsu for 10 plus years each. He's been training down in Melbourne. I've been training in Sydney. We, before we met each other, we would be approached by people at competitions, sometimes getting us confused, thinking that we were the same guy. Um, we had all these people saying to us, man, have you met that guy from Melbourne or that guy from Sydney? He looks just like you. He trains kettlebells. Yeah, it was this whole doppelganger thing. And uh, we were both blue belts at the time, so pretty fresh in the game. And what was strange is that we never competed against each other. We were in the same division, uh, but we never, we never matched up. But eventually we met and it was like, you're the fucking guy. And it was like, you're the guy. And we, we really did, we do look a lot like each other. The, the difference is he now has a beard. So there's a bit of differentiation there, but we both got fucked up ears and thick necks and, you know, little eyes and stuff. <laughs> and, um, and we both, we both like strength training and we've both been on a path of our own with our physical development. And we both place a lot of importance on our physical preparation. Um, and we, we credit that to having kept us in jujitsu for a long time. So one of the things that you notice in BJJ is that it's incredibly fun but that it also takes a huge toll on the body. And a lot of people have to quit the sport because of injuries. They fuck up their back, they wreck their knees, their shoulders get busted up, whatever. So over the years, we've both been, in an organic way, we've been working as personal trainers and we've been helping jiu-jitsu people, but the common thing with them is that, uh, one, they don't want to spend money on personal training because they, they're just not from that realm, they just want to go and train jiu-jitsu. But two, they don't really want to do much work outside of jiu-jitsu because any time spent in the gym means time spent away from the academy where they could be rolling and enjoying the art. So about a year ago, I started a small group session in Sydney at Jungle Brothers called Bulletproof for BJJ, where I invited the people I know from the jiu-jitsu community who want to become stronger and more mobile and they want to invest only 
the minimum amount of time required to, to, to improve those capacities uh, to come and train with me face-to-face, and we started a thing. JT was doing a thing down in Melbourne, very similar, working with athletes from his academy, Absolute MMA and whatnot. Um, and by chance, he was invited by somebody we know to create like a DVD program teaching jiu-jitsu athletes how to prepare physically. Um, JT and I, had the, and I had had this dialogue for years of like, man, we got to do something together. Like, I don't know what, but we got to collaborate. We're too, we're too similar. We're too much on the same path. We have too much value as coaches in this jiu-jitsu game to, to not do something together. He got this invite from BJJ Fanatics, which was the company, um, and he hit me up and was like, bro, they want me to create a DVD. I want to do it with you. Do you want to do it? Should we just call it Bulletproof for BJJ? And I was like, bro, perfect. Um, so that was how it was born. And we decided, cool, let's just combine all of our information. Let's refine it down to what we think is important. And let's present it in a way that is easy to integrate for a person who just wants to train jiu-jitsu three to five times a week and doesn't want to spend much time in the gym. And that's what we've created. Yeah, it's cool. So... <clears throat> The couple of things I just want to pick up on there and notice or point out was firstly your story, you know, you had this realization of your story, both of you, like where you'd come back. And I think that's really cool because it brings a lot of power to your position, you know, like, hey, we've been doing this sport for a long time and we've been training people in these different places, owning gyms, working with a lot of different clients. And what happens when we understand stories, we can get kind of the sense of personal power to do the thing that we want to do because we realize, hey, we're in actually a really good position to teach this one specific thing to these specific people. And then you went into uh, straight into a lot of empathy. You know, you were doing the BJJ for a long time and you were seeing the pain, physical pain that comes about in the sport versus not seeing it. A lot of times when we're in a sport and we're head deep, we just ignore stuff. So you're seeing what's going on in the culture. And then you also have the empathy. You said, they don't want to spend the time to do this because they don't want to spend the time rolling. They want to spend the time in the the gym. It would have been really easy to open up and create a business that when you're not coming through it with deep empathy completely misses the mark because it takes them away from the thing they really want to be doing or it's not a fit for the mindset that they've got. And it's like that together you guys had both the story and the empathy to create things with the right language, the right look and feel to actually match what it is that these people want to do. And so it seems like when you opened up, it kind of hit the ground running. Is that what happened when you opened? Like, was the response good or when you started trading? Yeah, the response was, was really good from the beginning. Yeah. Um, I suppose people already knew us to be sort of trusted authorities in that, in that realm of movement and strength and mobility. Um, one, because of our, our both having careers as personal trainers, but then also seeing us perform in jiu-jitsu at a reasonably high level. I say reasonably high because I've, I've never taken it to great heights. I would say GT, JT has taken it further. Um, but they've seen us perform at a high level. They've, they've seen us be pretty robust and flexible and, and then still be able to lift heavy and do all these kinds of things. So there's like, it's like, okay, the proof is in, in the pudding. Like these guys know something. 
you know, they're not just full of shit. Um, the other side of it was that a lot of people were looking for a solution. And so I, I, we were both, we both get these fucking questions for the last 10 years, ever since I started jujitsu, man, what, what do I need to do to get stronger? Like what exercises do I need to do? Mm. Something that really alluded me to this was I wrote a blog for Jungle Brothers about five years ago and it was titled the five best strength exercises for BJJ. And it was very simple, basic exercises, chin up, push up, you know, um, deadlift, hinge, core, whatever. And it still to today is the most, by far the most read, the most visited page on our website. Like astronomically, when I say by far, it's like, it's viral. And I'm like, how is it that this quick article that I threw together with some very simple thoughts on what jiu-jitsu guys could be doing in the gym be such a resource for people? And it, it, it's like, it points to, well, obviously there's not a lot out there for these guys. So that coupled with the fact that people are constantly asking us, what do I need to do? Uh, and then seeing these people, like you see them, you see the majority of jiu-jitsu students, they arrive in class, they jump onto the mats, they sit hunched over, waiting for the coach to start a warm up. The coach starts a warm up. It's the same warm up the coach learned back when he was a white belt in fucking early 90s. It's a shit warm up. Um, you know, like no one knows what to do. Mm. No, one has, no one has been empowered in this community. So we saw this huge gap and we're like, man, it's going to be it, like, it's so easy for us to empower these people. Hey, why don't you do these three drills instead and see how it goes? You know, and, and it's just been. Yeah, it was a very easy place for us to bring a lot of value instantly. Yeah, it's uh, it's cool. You know, I think you talk about that upbringing earlier that you had of doing different stuff and diversity and all that. And when you walk into a space and everyone's not warming up before they, like they're sitting there wasting time and you see all these opportunity things that they could be doing, it's kind of like if you had just had your head down and were turning up to class just like everyone else, you can be blind to those spots. Like you can get blind spots when you're fully immersed in the culture, but it's like because you brought diversity into it, you walk in, you're like, shit, nobody's, no, nobody's doing this. Nobody's doing the prep properly. Nobody's strengthening properly, whatever it is. It's like you bring it in, you know, it comes back to that, uh, seeing the opportunity because of the, the diverse background from bringing in other aspects of your story, you know? Yeah. It's kind of cool. So where's that going now? You guys are doing mostly, mostly online or is it still mostly in person with some online or is it hitting? The focus is online. Yeah. That's, where, that's where we can have the greatest amount of reach. And the face-to-face stuff is more is more reserved for the people that are close to us that, that want to have a place where they can come and train, you know, with us in person. Yeah. Um, but I think the real growth comes about from, one, us being able to connect with jiu-jitsu players all over the world and offer them our program, but also in us being able to, and this is, this is largely a more overarching idea, is us being able to influence the jiu-jitsu community as a whole. And so from empowering students with simple knowledge or simple information that they can then use to maintain and, and progress their own physicality in, a, in, a, in an intelligent manner 
but also being able to give coaches and uh, academy owners a process or a method that they can, they can integrate into their classes or integrate into their gym timetable so that their students are passed on, like their, their, their students get this information. Um, as an example, if we can give academies a really simple warm-up routine, keep it like it can be as generic as, pos- as needed, but if we can give them a simple warm-up routine and they change the thing they're doing that's from the 90s and they add this new thing in and it means that their injuries go down by 50%, that then means that the students have a better time because they're not sitting on the sidelines, but it also means that the gym is is doing better as a business because memberships aren't going on hold or being cancelled. Mm. And culturally, everyone's having a good time. People, The students feel looked after because their coaches, hey, I've invested in this thing because I want to help you guys be better. Um, the students progress faster. Like it's kind of, it just, it helps grow the community and it helps everyone have a good time. Yeah, and we see that cultural change happen from the bottom up really often as well. It's like, say you're you know running a business or whatever and you know it's like the 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 people who with now open access online right anyone can get access to it somebody shares your bulletproof stuff and then someone who goes to a gym and you know the states or whatever sees it they can start to play with that warm-up before the class all of a sudden if they're decent in the sport someone looks across oh what's you know Anne up to or whatever oh yeah this is from this is something I picked up from Bulletproof and BJJ. But quite often the shifts don't come necessarily from the coach first. It can be because we've got access online or however, somebody's friend's doing it. And it's the thing that we start to see as the cool thing to do or the effective thing to do. Then also the coaches have to take notice as well. You know, It's kind of cool because you've got this conduit to go both ways, to reach the organic culture at the base level and then obviously, you know, with the, um, the coaches or trainers or owners as well. Yeah, totally. That, I mean, that's the thing. If we can just get the information out there, yeah. you know, hopefully people will pick it up however, however that works. We had, a, we had a guy sign up for the program the other day and he was like, oh, hey, guys. Um, he shot us an email. Um, super excited to be in the program. Just wondered, would it be okay if I shared this with my students in a class? You know, and we're like, dude, fuck, please. Like put the fucking DVD on or like play the program in the gym. Like we don't care, like just get it out because your whole gym, like your whole team will benefit from this mm. and we'll benefit from that. Of course. You know, like, yeah, yeah. yeah like it's yeah, so, yeah. it's so, yeah, it was like, that was the coolest question. Yeah. Appreciate you asking, but please do it. Yeah. You know? Where if interestingly though, that not everyone would ask that question. A lot of people would stay closed. You know, he might watch it on the side and then pass it off as his own. And then, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's like a, it's a it's, thing I've been working on, guys. Yeah. thing <laughs> yeah. I came up with on the weekend. Yeah. But no, seriously, like that's cool. You know, that open source mindset, same thing as what you were talking about with your coaches. Yeah. You know. Um, well, you can't protect the information, right? Correct. This, it kind of comes back to that same idea. It's like, and you know this, having been a gym owner and stuff, you can't, you can't own exercises you can't own you know all you can do is is offer it to people in a way that you've curated that you think is is effective and cool and hopefully you've got some of your own spin on it somehow and you've tied it into to a context that is unique to you but the idea of like trying to protect it and um claim ownership of it i think is it's kind of futile Mm. so when you see the growth and the uptake of this super niched out business 
you know, the way I kind of look at it is, is people who are listening, right? Like say you've got a story, you've been doing something for a while. What you did was started to really look at the culture and listen and see what was going on. And then they really opened the door for you because they're literally asking the question, what do I need to do to get stronger? Or what do I need to do to not get injured? Like literally asking you the question for you to then provide the solution in the form of uh, face-to-face or online. Yes. Maybe just quickly before we move on, like if somebody's sitting there and they go, oh, I got no, like I want to do something on the side. Because this is kind of really what it started for you. It's like something on the side yes. of the, the first business you created, right? It's like, yeah. Um, I actually needed some money. Yeah, I like, right. I got to start coaching more people. How yeah. do I? Yeah. Exactly. Well, perfect. So what would you say to people like who are either stuck on that or who are involved in, you know, because everyone's got a story. Mm-hmm. Everyone And a lot of people are great practitioners in a certain area. But it's kind of scary too, like, because you've got to start and you've got to make the, take the plunge, right? Put yourself out there and all that. What would you, is there any advice or kind of things that you thought about or even challenges that you and JT overcame where you were like, all right, how do we go from this not existing to sort of backing ourselves, putting the thing out there, kind of doing it, you know? Well, a lot of people want to do a side hustle and a lot of people could and a lot of people don't. Yes. You know, what's the missing link, whether it's side hustle, full business, JBs, whatever it is, you know? I think, I mean, part of it is we've both invested at least a decade of our lives into training jiu-jitsu and also a, longer than a decade in strength and movement and mobility and all these things. So once we were able to, once we were presented with an opportunity that allowed us to see, holy fuck, like we are in such a unique position because of this investment that we've both made over a long period, like how could we not combine the skill sets that we have to serve this community that that we know so well. Um, So part of it is like, I guess you could say we did the work. Mm. It's like, like JT is a black belt. I'm a two stripe brown belt. It's like, you you can't just decide, you know what? I'm going to go get my black belt and I'm going to create this business because it's 10 years down the track. So part of it was whether it's, it was good fortune or it was timing or it was, just looking back and reflecting on what do we actually have? Like, what have we done with our lives and what can we make, what can we make from that? So what are the, what are the components here for us to create something special? Um, I think that that's a really big part of it. And I know this, if I look at say, um, like Paul, my business partner, he's creating a thing right now, uh, where he's going to combine his work as a gym owner and his work as a personal trainer with his passion, his lifelong passion of photography. And it's exactly the same thing. He was kind of backed into a corner and he's like, I need to create something. Well, what, what, what ingredients do I have here? Yeah. And I think that deep down everybody, I mean, if you've been doing something with your time, yeah. you should have some ingredients. Yeah. They might not be as sexy as whatever, jujitsu, black belt or photography but you you should have a few things that are unique to you and your experience in life that you can then 
uh, create something that is truly special from that, that, that can then be of benefit to other people. Yeah. And the thing that occurs to me is like, if you're not black belt and you were three quarters of the way, you could partner up with the black belt. That's right. You know, like it does, maybe, maybe you've got the passion for the photography, but you don't really know your way around the camera yet, but you know the PT industry. Yeah. You can go, you know what I mean? There's totally. ways to work now. There's totally. I mean, I see a guy, there's a guy that's, that keeps tagging bulletproof in a thing and he's a, he's a white belt, Yeah. but he's very into strength conditioning and he's putting this stuff out there all the time. Hey, he's how to get, you know, better conditioning for BJJ and wrestling. And I'm like, fuck, good for you, man. Yeah. Like uh, something, something tells me that I should be like trying to shut him down. Like, fuck you, bro. Like you're talking out of turn, but I'm like, no, man, he's doing a good thing. And he comments on our stuff like, oh, I love it guys. Thanks. And then he's trying to build his own thing. I'm like, Man, credit to you. Like he's obviously into his into his powerlifting and stuff. So yeah, you don't have to be an expert in all these things necessarily. I kind of talk about top five percent sometimes. It's like if you you're top five percent in videography or something, but you're slaving away for somebody else. Like if you're not using your story and looking to niche out and create something on your own, you're kind of missing an opportunity. Yes. If you bought on ten percent or something, you've got to spend some more time. Like you've got to learn the craft, or you need someone on board who's top five. Yes. But to be number one in the world isn't needed either. You know, you didn't need to be like black belt world champion to create bulletproof for BJJ because there's a twist in the story in that you have helped people overcome injury, rehab, whatever it is that brings the bulletproof side to it. Yes. Personality, working with people, empathy, connection. You know your background in videography to create, be able to create and hook up with other videographers to create good products and actually put the stuff online. Like there's this huge story behind it. So when they're so the person's they got the skill, they got some idea, they're doing something. Like this is this is super common, right? And this is where I see a massive surge coming is when for for a few people, right, who are willing to kind of to take the plunge. Uh, what next, right? You had the story, you partnered up. Um, where's the commitment come from? You know, cause it would have been easy to launch and sit on it and stay quiet. Where's the, what, what did you do then? Cause you guys are working hard right now on it. Like there's not many spare days where you're not putting, you know, yeah. time in. Yeah. It's, it's full on. I think the commitment comes from partnership. Yeah, okay. I think I, if I look at Jungle Brothers, I look at Bulletproof, I couldn't have done, you know, and when I say I couldn't have done, it's not like I've created huge amounts of success in anything yet, but I believe the potential is there. But I couldn't have done any of it without uh, collaborators. Mm. So I couldn't have done Jungle Brothers without T and Paul. I couldn't have done Bulletproof without JT. If it was just me left to my own devices, then perhaps I would get a start on it and I'm known for this. Like I will make a really good start on a thing, but then it's, it's, I can easily drift away. I'll lose interest and find something else I want to start. So I feel like, and this is, this is not for everyone, but for me, having, having partnerships has been integral to staying committed and seeing these things through. Yeah, cool. So you get that kind of positive pressure on it. Yeah, and you, you're accountable yeah. to someone else and they fill in gaps. So they, you know, they might call you out or there might be a stage of the project that you're really not engaged by, but they're like, hey, it's cool, I got it. 
you know, you just focus on X, I'll take care of the Y. And it's like, all right, sweet, we, we navigate this thing together. Yeah. Uh, last little question on that one is this signs to keep going? You know, like you said, it's got pretty quick uptake early on. And it's hard to know how big it can be, but you're going to keep going. What are the signs that you're looking for to not fold your hand? To keep, because it gets hard, right? Like, say, but you're in partnership, you got accountability, great. But if it's not working, you don't just keep going blindly, right? Yes. What did you pick up on? Like, what were you looking for in, let's say, Bulletproof for BJJ? To go, yeah, okay, right. Like, we felt like we had something. We've chucked a few things out here. Ooh, I think we've got something here. Like, let's put the foot to the floor. Let's keep going. I suppose the we had a fortunate opportunity with BJJ Fanatics asking us to produce a DVD for them because they have a huge marketing reach. And so we thought, well, we'll have to invest some thousands of dollars to produce the DVD, but we're pretty sure we'll make that money back. And I think it cost us. Cost us around seven and a half K to produce it, which is astronomical in terms of what, what they spend traditionally on jujitsu instructionals. We wanted it to look good. We wanted good editing. We wanted sick music. We wanted nice titles. You know, we wanted it to look flash. Yeah. So we thought, all right, well, we've been given this op- presented with this opportunity. Uh, we have enough capital to, to, to take that first step. We're, we're hoping we're going to make that money back. If we didn't make that money back, we can handle it, I can, I can absorb that loss. Um, but what it also does is it allows us then to do this initial period of work, this sprint, to then also take that material and build an online program. Mm. So we can kind of, we can leverage the material for a second use. Yeah. And that online program can sit there and if, if, if the uptake on that initial, the initial creation is good, then we can keep putting time towards the online program, you know, and or continue working with BJJ Fanatics. Yeah. But so the idea is like, all right, well, right now we've, we've kind of doubled down on the whole thing and we've probably doubled that 7.5K expenditure. Um, so the idea is like, all right, let's not spend any more. Let's just use our time and use our marketing avenues and let's see if we can keep growing this thing and that's going to tell us, you know, I'd say give it to the end of the year and that's going to tell us if we should keep pushing forward or not. Yeah. And at the very, you know, at the very, if it fails, we still have 18 to 24 months worth of programming that is timeless, yeah. that any jiu-jitsu athlete can follow f- forever. That's a digital asset. Yeah, like it doesn't, and and we're proud of it. Like we're so we're so proud and so confident in the honesty and the thoughtfulness that's gone into it that we're like that will stand the test of time mm. and people can use that forever so it's not like even if we if we you know the business did flop and we had to direct our attention elsewhere we've still got that thing that can help people mm. so you know because it comes down to this time and money thing right yeah you know we we want to take it to a point where we can go around the world and we can visit academies and teach a workshop and 
offer like teacher training to young jiu-jitsu coaches that want to run a bulletproof class or mm. utilize bulletproof principles in their in their academy uh if it doesn't get to that it, it wasn't for nothing yeah you know the other thing that comes to mind is this concept, concept of generosity, generosity and I, I spoke about it on the podcast with rod and a lot of times i'll talk to people and they're like you know i really can you I want to get in front of these people because I want to sell my, I want to, I want to pitch this program. I want to do this thing. And the whole time today, you've been talking about the change that you want to make for people doing BJJ. Not once is it coming back to, oh, because we want to, you know, make a million dollars. <laughs> like, but the thing is like that posture generosity is the thing that's the fuel for the growth. Because as the culture, we see right through it when somebody's coming through it from a take mentality. And the whole time it's like, yeah, we see people getting injured. We see people asking. We see this as a really good way that actually can help them. And we're going to create a program that they can, that's affordable. They can do it from anywhere in the world. And we can slowly start to change the culture, hopefully, from a really good place. You know, and I think that, I think a lot of people, they think, they, they think that they get that. But what comes out is a quick, like looking for the quick sale or looking for the upfront or looking for something to happen soon. And it's like you're buckling, you're like doubling down on generosity, you know? And yeah, there's people buying a program as well. And then that can scale. Yes. But it's starting from the change, the positive change in the culture is like seemingly what's driving you guys. Totally, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's right. I mean, like the, the whole idea is to create a successful business, right? And money, money is a huge part of that. We're, we're looking to, we want to create income for ourselves. Right. But it's like, we're at, you know, like we're obviously actually super passionate about this thing. Mm. And I don't know, it's kind of hard to, it's kind of hard to think about being the other way mm. because I guess maybe, maybe it's an innate quality or maybe it's just, with this, the specific projects that I work on, like Jungle Brothers and Bulletproof, but maybe I don't, that maybe I can't understand that, that other way of being like, hey, I need to make a million bucks out of this. Mm. What's the program gonna look like to make me a million bucks? Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I love, I love, you know, when, when, a, when a white belt says to me after training, hey man, like, what stretch should I do? Because my hip flex has been really tight. I'm like, dude, I'm so glad you asked. Like, let me, let me give you my 20 years of, of knowledge right now yeah. because that's all I want to do. Like, it's such a nice thing to be able to, to teach someone a thing that's going to have a, a, a beneficial effect on them. Yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of why I see this type of business. I see super niche stuff growing is because if, if it's, it's coming from, from passion, passion to begin with and generosity, what happens is those two are building trust and they're building attention for that person. So like you could, you know, you could be a trainer or a coach or um, a florist or whatever. And if you're super passionate about it and you start to give this generosity to you, just because you guys would have been giving insights for years before you actually look to go, oh, let's create something here. Yeah. Um, all of a sudden you turn around, there's all these people who are giving you their attention and their trust. So, so then, then you go, go okay, well, we're going to create a program here. And the early adopters are ready to go. There's people there, right? Because you've been generous with your passion and the insights of your passion for so long. 
and then it's just a case of the execution you know creating something prototyping it it's really cool yes uh so we could go for hours hey um maybe uh we're gonna do some training today now we're gonna go into the movement collective right if you listen i know you're down in sydney so you're gonna miss out oh spewing yeah yeah next time um we're gonna go into the movement collective and we're gonna do some training this uh, we could do a whole podcast on training i want you just to if you can i'm keen for you to take me through some bulletproof stuff cool been a bit lazy been sitting down too much typing too much and then trying to you know jump into training here and there what's the bulletproof mentality what am i doing you know who's it for what are we going to do cool it's for well it's for jiu-jitsu athletes and when i say athletes people who are training brazilian jiu-jitsu two to six times 12 times per week right from from uh you know from the middle-aged father of two who gets to go there twice a week and and roll around uh, to like a 19-year-old dude that wants to be a world champ. Bulletproof is for for them and for everyone in between. It is strength and mobility training that is going to help them to perform better on the mats and live in a body that is pain-free. So we're increasing mobility, we're increasing strength. And, you know, down the track, it becomes more about athleticism. But in the beginning, it's strength and mobility focused. We've got three, three phases that we go through with our strength training. They're very basic training phases, functional hypertrophy, strength development, and strength endurance. The emphasis through all of those phases of training is on high-quality mechanics, so moving well before moving fast or moving heavy. And alongside that is mobility work, and the mobility work has been packaged up as a, a collection of routines routines that you would do before class and routines that you would do after class. We know that most people don't like stretching and doing mobility work. So what we've, we've done it in a way that you will do two or three active mobility drills before you start class, which will help prepare the body for the training, open up range in the joints, and also increase core body temperature, get your heart rate up a little bit. The mobility routines we do after class are more about lengthening things out so holding positions for a longer period of time but also down regulating the body Uh, and this is utilizing principles that i learned from you nasal breathing slow and relaxed hanging out just being in a position so we figure if we can get people to be doing their mobility stuff around their jiu-jitsu training and then we get them to do one or two days a week in the gym with minimal time investment 45 to sort of 55 minutes um, that will be enough for them to increase strength mobility and general um, robustness yeah so that's what we're going to do we're going to do a bit of that the strength work man simple stuff pulling pushing patterns squatting hinging different variations thereof single leg stuff double leg stuff mm. big thing that jumps out though is that me- the quality the mechanics that you mentioned yeah you know because you can do the pulls you can do chins or whatever it is pull ups or you're going to do hinging you can do it and then you can really do it is a presence or attention to it you know it sounds like you guys are nailing like you well, you got like 30 years between you of experience or something like that or more so, yeah totally yeah it's that and that's right and i mean that's the thing right we 
we know a lot of people go to the gym and do stuff, but they yeah. just don't do it well. Yeah. So there's like, they don't know what to do, plus they don't do it well. Mm. So we, we're like, okay, here's what you got to do, and we want you to do it really well. Mm. Um, it's kind of nice too, because you've got like, I, I don't obviously know BJJ having not done it, <laughs> but you got something that's intense, right? That's fast. That's like... In the sport? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then what you're creating here is this other place where you can bring attention to detail and slowing things down a little bit, you know, develop strength, develop mobility. So it's kind of, it feels like a nice balance on the outside as well. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's almost, yeah, it kind of helps to regulate the intensity yeah, yeah. of the jits. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anything else you want to talk about or add in? Um, No, man. I, I think that, you know, maybe, maybe one point to make further to that idea of collaboration and partnership. Mm. Um, JT, my, my partner in Bulletproof, he, he sort of, he said this to me when we were first talking initial chats about Bulletproof. And he was like, man, I, um, he's like, he, he's had a plan to create the Bulletproof program for years, like an online thing that he would go around teaching and it had a different name. And He'd always been talking about it and he's like, I got to this point where I realized I have all these great ideas and he's a visionary himself. Um, there's a pattern there, right? Mm. I do well if I'm coupled with a visionary, I think. Um, but he realized a lot of these things will never come to fruition if I don't partner up with somebody. So he's like, my whole, my whole goal this year and at the moment is around collaboration and partnership. So he was like, and that's why I want to do it with you. And we got to create something together because it's going to be awesome. And I thought, fuck, that's such a powerful acknowledgement to make that you, you have the potential to do a thing, but that you, you may not be able to do it by yourself. Mm. And, you know, we all get older. We, all, we need to make money. So maybe you have to work a job that you don't love or that you have to invest time into. And maybe you got family. Like you don't have the, the freedom to go and create this side hustle exactly how you'd want to. But perhaps if you talk to someone and you're like, hey, I think we could do a thing together, mm. then that can enable you to create something that's truly remarkable, to use a word that you like to use. Mm. Uh, and I, and, you know, and when, you know, I reflect back on that and I feel very fortunate to have had good people around me with good ideas that become good collaborators. Mm. Yeah, I think if, you know, if you're, the thing that comes to mind is just like listening to your story and, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the people that I get lucky to work with and uh, that sort of thing is just, there's, there's just look at what you're doing and understand that more likely than not, if you've been doing it for a while and you're passionate about it, like this concept of, I call it passion business, like the thing that you are, is built around what you love if you've been doing something and you, you're going along or you're even super passionate about it now, it's like there's probably opportunity in some form. There's probably something there to start with. Then it's like, you know, you talked about collaborations and partnerships and self-awareness to understand, you know, maybe he wouldn't have pulled the trigger on his own or maybe you might not have completed it on your own. Uh, but like for the people listening, if you if you if you're doing something, you're into training, you're into gardening, you know, you could it could be anything, right? Like maybe talk to your neighbor. Yeah. Do it like yeah. do a project. Yeah, do a project. Get yeah. the people on your street to get together and 
do a build a garden and it starts off as something you make something better right starts off as a little project to innovate create something and then you know never know where it ends up if you want to push it and there's some early traction great you've got something make it you know create a business create something yeah or just take pleasure in that act of interacting and collaborating yeah because you can ultimately achieve more yeah as a collective right yeah yeah awesome man thanks so much for your time thanks for having me on man go uh probably eat some more and then go do some training yeah sick bro i appreciate it okay that's it for this week uh hope you enjoyed uh check out i'll put his stuff in the show notes as well actually he's still on here joe where do people (laughs) where do people find you you can find me uh instagram's the place at jb joey that's me but you can look at jungle brothers it's at jungle brothers movement yeah and at bulletproof for bjj yeah um, yeah, check us out. If you want help with anything, DM me, us, just get in touch. I'm always down to chat. If you want to tell me you thought this episode was shit, you can tell me that too. Um, yeah, thanks for having me on, Johnny. It's nice to, I like what you're doing, man. It's nice to, uh, to be able to contribute. Yeah, well, thanks for sharing your story. Pleasure. Awesome. Access Potential Academy is a gang of passion business owners who are looking to level up and do great work. It's a six-month program. Here's a little bit of what some of the crew are saying. So my name is Vic and I own a company called Anatomy Motion based here in Sydney. We're a strength movement-based studio um, who are passionate about educating people um, in quality uh, of movement, uh, leading to quality of life. The work that we've done around the, the listening, the empathy, um, even pausing, you know, kind of all these elements, like, they're invaluable. Um, and the fact that we get to practice them every day just means we keep getting better and we keep creating better relationships, better connections. Um, and I truly believe this is the reason, you know, why our business is thriving. Because it's something that no one else is doing. If you feel like you're ready to push that little bit and find the next level, whether it's in your business, your projects, or your broader life, then have a think about the Access Potential Academy. Next round starts February 2020.